This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On the road again, going places that I've never been. Seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. Hey everybody and welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Join me, William Miller, as I travel the country talking to manufacturers of all types about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs in the industry. This show is brought to you by Koganay International America, Inc. Welcome everyone to the Where's Willie podcast, a national manufacturing podcast powered by Koganay International America, Inc., a global manufacturer of more than 512 thousand components that help miniaturize every robot, device, machine, and automated process in every industry sector of manufacturing. Today on the Where's Willie podcast, my virtual travels take me to New York City to talk with an organization committed to setting the standard in the world of engineering. I am, of course, talking with Debbie Holton, Managing Director of Events, and Christine Riley, Senior Director of Strategy and Innovation from the American Society of Mechanical Engineers. Now, before I bring them in, they have pretty remarkable bios, but it is important for the context of our listeners to understand their recognized background, and they are very, very intelligent, and they know their stuff. So first, I'm going to start with Christine. She is the Senior Director, as I mentioned, of Strategy and Innovation for the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, based in New York City. Previously, she had led a healthcare technology team which focused on creating and growing the society's portfolio of programs, products, and services in the area. Christine had previously served as a program manager in the ASME Emerging Technologies Unit, developing content and conferences in the areas focusing on bioengineering, nanotechnology, which I'm obsessed with, thermofluids and materials. Previously, she spent more than 10 years in ASME Codes and Standards, publishing as an editor, overseeing the production of codes from manuscript to final bound and digital product. She has been a senior editor for Research and Education Association, an educational publishing company, and has also served as a technical director and service writer for UC San Diego's Biomedical Informatics Research Network, known as BIRN, and the National Center of Microscopy and Imaging Research. At that position, she developed content plans, research and wrote web copy, news articles, and edited grant proposals and journal articles. In addition, Christine had been a report editor for Xenobiotic Laboratories, a contract research organization specializing in pharmaceutical, environmental, and metabolism chemistry. At XBL, she coordinated the production and editing of technical reports for submission to corporate sponsors and regulatory bodies. She earned an MS in biomedical engineering with a concentration of tissue engineering and biomaterials from New Jersey Institute of Technology. 
She received a bachelor's of journalism and mass media with a minor in biological sciences from Rutgers University and Douglas College. That's just one of our guests. We also have, as I mentioned, Miss Debbie Holton. Debbie joined the American Association of Mechanical Engineers as a managing director of industry events, reporting to the chief operating officer, Jeff Patterson. Holton is responsible for managing the organization's industry events, portfolio, and transforming ASME's business development strategy as the leader of its technology advancement and business development team. A business development and events expert, Holton has a proven track record of growing revenue, impacting, and results in the manufacturing technology arena. Most recently, she was vice president of the Society of Manufacturing Engineers, SME, Events and Industry Strategy, and led the team in doubling gross revenue, launching successful new products, and executing strategic partnerships for leading industrial events in North America. She built strategies for emerging technologies, including additive manufacturing and 3D printing, LED industry collaborations, including the U.S. Department of Defense award-winning Aerospace Automation Consortium, and has driven innovation and growth as acting director of technology, transition, and outreach for America Makes. Debbie has a strong technical knowledge of industry needs and a history of cultivating relationships with leaders, companies, associations, universities, and government agencies where her input is sought and respected. It's exciting to see Debbie join the ASME, bringing industry together to solve some of the toughest challenges, advancing technology, and building a better quality of life worldwide. I have to end with this. Holton was recognized by Crane's Detroit Business in its list of notable women in manufacturing. Awesome. She received a Bachelor of Arts degree in communications from the University of Michigan and received an MBA degree from the university's Ross School of Business. These ladies know their stuff. So I now want to thank both of you for taking time. I know you guys are very, very busy. There's a lot going on with the ASME. So ladies, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Thanks, Willie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. So I apologize that my mouth was full of marbles. You guys have just, you've done so much. For all of our listeners, as we'll address, you know, my excitement with bringing you guys on board to share with all the listeners who you are, let's start with just that. Who is the ASME? Sure. So our mission statement is quite simple. It's just to advance engineering for the benefit of humanity. We're a professional development organization. We were established in 1880. We're currently more than 100,000 members strong. And we really provide products and services to support engineers throughout various communities. So that's whether it's the production of technical journals, technical events. You'll hear uh, Debbie talk about the industry events that she's working on. And we're also known for producing standards Many of your listeners will know us as the producers of the boiler and pressure vessel code, also the Y14.5 dimensioning and tolerancing standard, as well as the Y14.100 engineering drawing practices. We also have a number of other programs, more than 200 training courses and master classes, lots of content programs to support students and early career engineers, and really the list goes on. And Debbie, is there anything you want to add right now? Because again, I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. 
what? You read both our bios and we go through who ASME is, we're all going to be tired. But, you know, I have to say that one of the really cool things about ASME is our philanthropic activities as well in working alongside innovators and folks in emerging economies to really try to solve some of the world's toughest problems, things like clean water, clean air, sanitation, working with uh, the UN's kind of global initiatives. That's a pretty exciting area where we also have philanthropy that contributes to engineering education as well. So it's just a really well-rounded organization. I'm very uh, pleased to be part of it. And again, for the context of all the listeners, you know, so many people go to my LinkedIn profile and they read through it and they say, "Eh, what do you do? And I always keep explaining to people, if you've ever seen the TV show, How It's Made, that's basically my life. Kogane, a global uh, manufacturer based in Tokyo, Japan. We have seven subsidiaries you know, worldwide. We sell through distribution. I have literally have been in the facilities of almost every device, machine, robot, automated process that makes a physical thing. Everything from a baseball glove to uh, nanotechnology, MEMS technology, you know, aerospace initiatives, consumer electronics, again, anything that's physically made. Why I reached out to you both, though, when you remember that fateful day when I was so excited, my world, the company that or the people that we serve directly at Kogane, mechanical engineers that take our componentry, maybe other components of different technologies, vision systems, things like that. And in total, they take all of these unique components to really make something truly remarkable. Everything from you know process improvement, automation to improve production and output to medical device that's helping to have a patient breathe on their own. So just in this world of you know me being over a decade going around the world with Kogane, to now know that your organization is basically committed to the service as you outlined to the exact people that we serve and we have the pleasure of collaborating with. It's just really, really exciting. So many things are going on when we talk about technology. I think it's very, very difficult for all of us to just keep pace. You know, everything from cybersecurity to advancements in capability to IIoT and and all these different things. You know, for us, we're really embracing this methodology of miniaturization, right? So making everything more portable, lighter in weight, using battery power as opposed to being plugged into the wall. With so many things happening, you know, I hear this buzzword about digital enabled technology. So I want to ask from you guys, how is that affecting manufacturing? Yeah, so I mean, manufacturing is one of my favorite subjects, right? And and like you, Willie, I'm a big junkie about plant tours. I love them because it's just a great way to see technology in action and, and really find out what people are doing every day. How It's Made is a great show too, by the way, <laughs> made by Canadians. So yeah. even better. So <laughs> some of the things that are happening in digitally enabled uh, manufacturing are exciting. It's a little off-putting though sometimes to the small and medium-sized manufacturers. They're not quite sure where to begin. You know, Deloitte did a survey recently and they asked folks where they were kind of in what they call their digital transformation kind of journey. And about 85% of those manufacturing leaders said, you know, we know that this is going to be the most transformational technology for our business, competitive advantage, U.S. manufacturing, whatever way you want to think about it. But 67% of them had done nothing. 
So they knew they were behind the eight ball a little bit. And so for us at ASME, we look for ways to kind of share that information with folks and help them along their journey, kind of accelerate their adoption of the technology. And so some of the things that we're doing are some great white papers and research that Christine can talk about a little bit because the skills are going to be very different. That's definitely for sure. But then also we have a lot of events and opportunities for people to get together and really kind of share best practices, understand where they're going, kind of be their Sherpa in this journey to see digitally enabled supply chain, which, you know, we would have really appreciated about six months ago when we were running out of PPE in this country. Things like digitally enabling processes, digital twins, uh, being able to virtually test and iterate products before you're actually manufacturing them, which is a lot more expensive. But I think one of the key things that manufacturers can get behind is this idea of skills and competencies. And, um, and Christine has a lot of great information on that. Sure. And just to carry on what Debbie just spoke about, we recently, ASME recently conducted a survey of more than 500 engineers to ask them about what the digital future meant for them, their industries, and for the future of engineering. And Interestingly, about 8% of those surveyed said that they believe that training outside their core competency, in this case, mechanical engineering, was required for them to continue to thrive in the digital future. So what that means for current engineers and engineers coming up through universities is that not only is it important to understand heat transfer and, and fluids, but it's also important for engineers to understand data analytics, coding, they're going to have to work with software engineers and data analysts and whatever job they have, regardless of industry, whether that's bioengineering or aerospace. So that's really something that engineers are going to have to learn and continue to learn as the landscape rapidly evolves. So, and another area where we also saw engineers really needing extra help and extra skilling is communication because <laughs> no mechanical engineers are no longer working in their own silo. They're really going to have to work. If you're a bioengineer, you're going to have to be working with physicians in all sorts of industries. Engineers are going to need to work with those outside their comfort zone. So it's really understanding and enhancing those communication skills that's going to help them well, in the digital future. And, one of the, and I agree with you 100% because, you know, one of the things, as I tell everyone, you know, so our U.S. headquarters is in Fremont, California. Okay, that's where <laughs> our president for the Americas resides. That's where we operate. But all of our manufacturing is still done in Tokyo, Japan. So a lot of times when people do partner with Koganet, exactly to what you said, there's an advantage because of the time difference. So if you're working with a company in Europe, let's say, you have a little bit of a delay. Whereas for us, by the end of the evening, and as you guys know, many times, mechanical engineers, they work a lot of hours. So, you know, 6, 7 p.m. in the evening, you know, if they're doing some durability testing or some prototyping, we have already demonstrated our ability of seamless communication because at that time here in the U.S., it's 9 a.m., in Tokyo, Japan. So our staffed engineers are basically within 24 hours live of, you know, communicating to the Emmys that are here in some design layout, some circuit reviews, things like that. And while we go to bed, Kogane Japan is working. And then in the morning when they're exhausted and tired, our Emmys here in the Americas are waking up to say, hey, what's the answer? And uh, we're seeing to your point, this advancement of 
communication, speed to market, development, testing, because of globalization. So then my next question then for both of you is, you know, we talked about number one, digital enabled technology. And then of course, as I said, we can easily go really, really long into a lot of different things. But how then, or what has been the biggest challenge for both of you guys, or how are you able to now keep up with this and then ascertain what the current and future mechanical engineers are going to need to focus on having or attaining in terms of skills? Yeah, we do a lot of reading. We do a lot of talking. (laughs) (laughs) We reach out to a lot of people, companies, different entities. We have advisors that work with us very closely, folks that are expert in the field, and they come from many different areas, oil and gas, medical, aerospace, automotive, you name it. And, you know, really trying to understand, because part of the challenge with digital technology with a lot of advanced technologies in manufacturing is that folks really love the technology, but they're not always sure what business problem they're trying to solve. And so it can't just be a cool technology solution in search of a problem. You really need to get down to, for example, oil and gas. I don't know what putting a gallon of gas in your car is like where you are, but where I am, it's about $2.40. So that is not necessarily good news for the oil and gas industry. And so they've got to be more efficient. They've got to be looking for ways to continue to be profitable and and reinvest in exploration and those types of things. And so, and in clean energy too, right? So they're also investing in that. And so the data and analytics that they pull off of that, off of those different assets, whether they're trying to determine if a wind blade has the same structural integrity as it did, you know, five years ago, or if they're looking at the efficiency of a refinery or a solar panel, it's all very relevant. And that's what we try to help them do is try to identify the problems they're trying to solve and then identify a route for them to find those solutions. Yeah, I just to echo Debbie's comments, because we're such a, a broad ranging organization worldwide, we do have access to engineers in so many different industries with varying types of expertise. So, you know, through our events, through our panels, through our conversations with our volunteers, we keep apprised of what engineers are going to need to do to keep themselves skilled and relevant in the changing landscape. Perfect transition. So when we talk about changing landscape, we're not going to talk about COVID-19, what we went through, how we reacted, politics, truth, accuracy, testing. Let's just say we all know what COVID-19 is. What has been the role of ASME through all of this? Well, through all of this, we've learned and the way we've responded is that we have had to connect with engineers in a variety of ways. So you'll see on ASME.org, we have a section called ASME Delivered to Your Home, and that really encapsulates all the different ways that we've been working with engineers throughout the pandemic. Some engineers have lost their job. We've been connecting them with our our job board. We've been providing the most up-to-date content in terms of what's happening with the creation and the production of ventilators. We've provided what we're calling ASME at home. So we've deeply discounted many of our online courses for engineers and for the younger crowd, for our K through 12 audience. We have made our Inspire program free. So that's 
an online program to help kids understand what's on the horizon in terms of careers. So really from for all ages, we've provided content. Debbie also earlier talked about what our government relations and public policy group is doing, where there's going to be a white paper coming out about the supply chain. And we've also done congressional briefings that focus exactly on public policy. But what we also found really exciting was that engineers, even those who don't have a background in biomedical engineering, were reaching out to us and saying, how can we help? What can we do? So we were really leveraging our strength as a convener, as a neutral third-party convener, by connecting with some of the manufacturing institutes we work with, like America Makes. That group was bringing together hospitals, points of care that needed PPE, also pointing to the National Institutes of Health repository, vetted designs of PPE and, and other relevant devices, and bringing in those engineers who wanted to help and say, okay, here's where you can print, let's say 3D print some sorely needed devices and other products. So we were really helping engineers connect with those in need and helping them find the most efficient ways to provide that PPE and, and other types of devices. That's awesome. So there's a lot there. And then finally, I'll, I'll leave off on also what Debbie was referencing in our Engineering for Change arm in that that group put together some resources and lists of standards that those in low resource settings can use when they're trying to 3D print PPE and, and other devices in hospitals and other medical settings. So we've been quite busy. That's why the listeners have to understand why I'm so excited. Because again, you know, I think a lot of people, when I talk to both of you and Monica, one of the misconceptions or the assumptions that I've made, right? Because trade organizations, advocacy groups, I said, oh, they must only work probably with private sector or, you know, existing companies. They don't do anything from an educational standpoint with youth. Wrong. You just pointed out all the resources that you are providing. And I think it's really remarkable, especially, like I said, right now, it's one thing to accelerate technology updates in terms of, you know, emerging markets, emerging technologies, everything from, as you mentioned, thermodynamics to advanced programming to coding, integrating these micro electromechanical devices and get, getting them to work on a network and all the things that go with that. But also, you know, going to accessibility and resources for the youth in the future, I think to me, no disrespect, but after everything that I've learned about you, I think that's probably the thing that's most impressive to me because I would argue it's the least ROI positive. People working currently, of course, will donate, we'll have our membership dues and things like that. But the fact that, you know, you are much more than just an organization serving the working class of mechanical engineers, you're providing resources without, you know, an eight or a nine-year-old opening their penny bucket to donate. So I think it's really remarkable the things that you guys are doing for our mechanical engineers of the future. And obviously, again, chaos, we're getting our bearings back, you know, looking at what's being done now for engineers, you kind of, you know, answered because of all the resources that ASME.org provides. Is there anything that you guys can share in terms of, you know, maybe upcoming, and I didn't ask you this before, Christine, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but are there any virtual events coming up or do you guys have like a calendar of events? So maybe if you don't know all of them on hand, just so all of our listeners know if they want to go to ASME org that there would be a calendar of events section that you guys are keeping up to date with the events coming up here in this last quarter of the year. 
Sure, it is accessible on asme.org, but I'm actually gonna turn that over to Debbie as our lead for industry events. Yeah, thanks, Christine. So we have been feverishly working to make sure that our events that we had planned for this year are accessible to people no matter where they are. So we have been really able to invest in some digital technology and provide virtual events ongoing since May. One of our very first ones was additive manufacturing for medical, AM medical. And it talked a lot about just the amazing response of that particular field to the COVID challenges and all the different innovations that were happening both now and and in the future for medical devices and uh, surgical models and just how much life-changing innovations being made possible by that. And so we have our next edition of that coming up October 28th and 29th, and that'll also be virtual. You can find more information on ASME.org. We also have a virtual event happening in Digital Twins, surprisingly. The the event's so nice, we named it twice. That event will also be virtual November 11th and 12th. And then we have a really cool event that maybe folks aren't aware of, which is called Robots for Inspection and Maintenance. And many of us are familiar with industrial robots, but the idea of drones and crawlers and all the really advanced analytics that come from the sensors on these robots for asset integrity, to take folks out of small spaces, to increase safety. There are thousands of people that die every year in high work or in confined spaces. It's a scary job. And the more that we can take people out of harm's way and that we can can also get better data and analytics and put that into making better infrastructure and piping and wind towers and whatever else we need to do is going to be great. And that event is actually happening December 10th and 11th. And so those will all be available on ASME.org and can learn more about it. And then the great thing about it is if you're busy on those days, you can go back and watch that content as much as you want. There's networking, there's live chat, there's experts you can connect with. It's the next best thing to being there, I guess. So to all the listeners, you are welcome. I didn't have to beg too bad, but as you can tell, ASME.org is extremely busy in the world of engineering, education, advocacy, training, networking, resources, job boards, events, technology. I mean, anything in that world, credit to your guys' amazing team and all the things that you're doing. Debbie, Christine, I want to thank you guys so much for taking a little bit of time to share all the great things that you guys are doing to serve mechanical engineers, both the present and our future engineers. So thank you both for being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. If you're new, I invite you to share your feedback so I can work to give you more of what you want to hear in the world of innovation, leadership, and everyday life in manufacturing. If you have a story that you want to share, the process is simple. Go to Where'sWillyPodcast.com and complete the guest form at the bottom of the page. All guests are free to the show. Thank you all for tuning in. One last thing, ASME.org. If anybody wants to connect with you guys on social media, I didn't ask you this, are you guys on social and which platforms are probably uh, most accessible? I'd say for me, it's LinkedIn and just look me up. I'm there, Christine Riley, ASME. All right. Well, ladies, again. Twitter too. Oh, you're on Twitter. What, what is the handle for Twitter? For Twitter, it's Deb Holton. For LinkedIn, you can just, it's Debbie Holton. You can look me up right there. And then ASME, of course, has full stream on, on all social media. So Awesome. Again, ladies, thank you so much. ASME.org. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, thanks. See you, Willie. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit Where'sWillyPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie P-O-D. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.